Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, I want to return to a discussion we had here on the programme on Friday, which um, generated a lot of reaction, I have to say, by email over the weekend. And you might remember we spoke to Paddy. He got in touch with us to talk about the fact that he was taken off a waiting list because he didn't reply to a letter, which he says he didn't get. This is regarding his um, his hospital appointment. And he talked about the general impact that this has had in his life. From the moment I wake up in the morning and it might take me half an hour just to roll out of bed because I have to get out of bed in a particular way. Um, I need aids and tools just to use the bathroom. I have a pulley on thing for to put on my socks. And no matter how loud I cry and scream and, and ask people just to help, um, nothing's happening. So that was Paddy who spoke to us here in Lunchtime Live on Friday's programme and you couldn't but feel for him. I mean, he's the guts of seven years, he told us, waiting on a hospital waiting list appointment, was taken off the list because he says he never replied to this letter that he didn't get. And there were a lot of people who got in touch. Um, Eamon, thank you for your email over the weekend. I saw another one from um, Claire and Carlo. She got in touch too about her husband waiting to get a scan carried out, again waiting a number of years and the same story again about letters and not replying to letters. And there were more emails too. Um, one of those was from Tommy. Tommy's on the line as well in, in County Mayo. Tommy, what has been your experience regarding waiting lists? Well, it's it's pretty similar to, to the man, except I wasn't taken off the waiting list. But I was I was recommended more than 10 years ago for bariatric surgery. And I did all the, the tests. I did the Cree program. I seen the the bariatric surgeon, I've seen the psychologist, I had all the tests. I even got as far as the pre-op where you meet the anaesthetist and he gave me an injection. I, I, I can't remember really what it was for, but I said to the nurse there, I said, is, is this really going to happen? And she said, well, I, I'm assuming it will because that, that injection only lasts for three months. That was more than seven years ago. And I've been on the waiting list ever since. Mm. And there's no, the, the, well, the point of my story is there's no procedure at the end of the day. Even though you've seen all these people, I've seen the psychologist twice. There's an, eight, an 18 month waiting list to see her. And I've had all the box ticks ticked and everything else. And I still haven't heard anything from them. So what, what what's that down to, Tommy? Sorry, just the waiting list to get in to the theatre, basically. Well, that that's apparently the problem. I think they've only done a few bariatric surgeries in the last few years. Then you have your COVID, but even before COVID, the waiting list was ridiculous. Mm. And my gripe with the whole thing is that every time I go to see. Uh, the psychologist or the, the, the bariatric surgeon or anybody else, all these people are getting paid. And rightly so. But that's where the money pit is. These people are getting paid. And at the end of the day, there's no procedure. You don't get your operation. And, do you and if I had 20 grand in my back pocket, I'd have the operation done tomorrow. 
So you're seven years on this list and you've, yeah. you've met people and you've had the sort of, and I know because we've spoke to uh, bariatric consultants here on, on the programme previously and I know they've told us that it is a lengthy, you know, it's it's not a quick fix as in there's, there's a lengthy process, I think, to get to the to the surgical um, part of the, of the procedure. But you're seven years on the list, you've gone through all the init- initial phases and bits and bobs that you have to do, but you're still no further on. And, no how, and how, how, Tommy, have things, like, how have, you know, for you, what's the impact of this now day to day in the last seven years? Well, you see, <clears throat> the, the, this is where the, there doesn't seem to be any joined up thinking because I'm on a, a list of medication and I regularly have to go to the doctor with different things relating to obesity problems. And if they just gave me the surgery, all these things would go away. And it wouldn't cost the HSE as much as it's, as I'm costing them now. So there doesn't seem to be any kind of forward thinking on it. You know we, what I mean? What, I mean, if if I if, I, uh, if I had the surgery tomorrow, I would reduce my medication to practically nil. I wouldn't be going to see the doctor regularly. And I would be a lot healthier and a lot cheaper for the HSE. But they don't seem to view it that way. And when you get back in touch, we'll say, with your consultant or the people you're, you're dealing with, Tommy, do they, do they give you any indication as to when there might be light at the end of the tunnel? Absolutely none. No idea. The last, the last contact I had with them, because I used to have to go out to Galway Clinic, and that's a 45-mile journey for me each way. And then they started doing it on the phone, and they said, you know, oh, you, you, didn't, you didn't make your last appointment. And I said, well, you know, all you do is weigh me and ask me how I am. So, you know, I mean, that, mm. that doesn't work for me. So the last time I did it on the phone was, and I jokingly said to the, the junior consultant, how closer am I? I'm seven years on the list now. How closer am I to the operation? And he said, well, you're seven years closer. And I said, well, I'm from seven years closer to the grave. So there doesn't seem right. to be any kind of... Uh, nobody seems to be responsible in the HSE, mm. if you know what I mean. I mean, we can't run them down completely. There's no. great nurses and doctors mm. in there. But nobody at the end of the day looks at a, a waiting list like that and that, that gentleman caller you had I know, Paddy. last week. Jeannie, you could hear it. Oh, sure, I know. I was thinking about him over the weekend. You know, like yeah. when, when you're at a stage that you're you're calling into... A radio program because to just try and get your head, I suppose, around to understand the the system, um, and that's the bit that kind of struck me, Tommy, in talking to Derek, or sorry, apologies, in, in talking to Paddy on Friday, was that you know it's 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 the making sure that you're still on the list is something that never crossed crossed my mind before, but it's yeah. I'm sure it's certain yeah. to the four of Paddy's. Stay with me, Tommy. Eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the number if you want to get in touch with us here. We're talking about um, waiting lists for hospital appointments because Derek got in touch as well. And Derek, you wanted to share your experience. Well, approximately nine months ago, I attended my GP with a, a difficulty with my eyes, and who the GP examined them said, basically speaking, he, he had an idea of what was wrong, but uh, he wasn't an expert on that. He would refer me to the Ironier Hospital in Dublin. Now, nine months later, I rang the Ironier Hospital because I had heard nothing in nine months. And uh, I gave my details and 
yes, they, they, they found me on the system and said, yes, that they had received the letter and that um, I will be seen to in due course. And I asked, how long would that take? And I was told approximately four years. I explained to the, the, the girl on the phone that, you know, I had difficulty mm. seeing, particularly with my left eye, to the degree that well, at times when I'm driving, I have difficulty reading road signs. Now, thankfully, I'm retired and I don't have to drive very much. But, I mean, approximately five years to see a doctor when you have difficulty seeing. It's incredibly That's long my case of time. to the waiting list. Now, well, the I'll one, t- if I may, if, if I'm sorry for interrupting you, but if I may, the one that the situ- one situation which is not to do with pro- primarily with the health service that most upsets me is that a small number of years ago my wife died and um, I found her dead in bed one morning. Sorry to hear that. And I called an ambulance which came fairly promptly and the ambulance crew put me out of the room uh, as they dealt with her and but a short time later what you call it I was waiting for the ambulance to do what they were doing. And a guard car arrived outside my house and told me that my wife was dead and that um, there was nothing the ambulance crew could die could do. But as it was an unexpected death, there was no obvious reason as to why she died, mm. that I would have to vacate the house, which I did. And thankfully, a neighbour took me in. But um, some hours later, I approached the guardie and asked him, you know, what was going on? I said, as I say, some hours later, they told me that they were waiting for the coroner to arrive to examine my wife's body. And late in the afternoon, when the coroner did arrive, now it was a half day in the morning when I found my wife dead. Now, late in the afternoon, sometime around three o'clock, the coroner arrived. And when he examined my wife, he basically said that there would have to be an autopsy and that she would be removed to hospital for an autopsy. And... About an hour later, I asked the guardie, when was the, you know, the hearse coming to take my wife? And they said they didn't know, as the coroner did not have a hearse available. And they didn't know when my wife would be removed from the house, my, her home to, to the hospital, and that I couldn't enter the house as long, until such time as the, my wife was removed. So after a while, what you call it, um, the relation of my wife arrived. And she said she'd contact a undertaker who had um, she yeah. had used for in the past. Okay. And that undertaker said that he would have no difficulty with taking the body from the house to the thing, but that he would have the clearance from the guardie to do so, which he did get. Yeah. And an hour later, or less an hour or so later, he arrived and they removed the body from the house and took her to hospital for the autopsy. And I mean, we are in a situation in one of the, what is said to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We have a government that can't provide a coroner with a hearse. You're still waiting. I know, Derek, it's, it's very, I know you're, and that must have been a very traumatic time for you, I have no doubt as well. Obviously, well, as I said, yeah. and thankfully, unlike your other caller there, I am in the position where I will be able to get private care for my eye, which I okay. will be doing shortly, yeah. so I'm not waiting. 
Derek, listen, thank you for getting in touch with us today in the programme and, and Tommy, you as well. Um, I see there's more emails coming in too and texts from listeners on, on this very topic too uh, since we first spoke about it on Friday. But look, I, I can understand your, your frustration um, with the, the, the delay, Derek, and as well too. Your long delay as well, Tommy, it has to be said. Listen, thanks to you both for joining us here on the programme and I do hope you get sorted fairly lively. Thank you. Steve is with us as well here on Lunchtime Live today. Steve, what's your experience? Um, I worked in the industry for for quite a long time, um, um, dealing with the HSE, and I still work with them. Actually, I work but in a different a different aspect of things. And um, essentially, the, the the lines and the queues and and the waiting lists in the HSE are just they're gone beyond ridiculous at this stage. That. I used to work in the pain, uh, called to different hospitals and, and work in pain in that area. And essentially, I was told on numerous occasions there was five, six, seven year waiting list for anybody to be seen by a consultant, which is just crazy in this day and age. Yeah, it's it's like that's it's constantly there. The figures I see coming in here in the text from people. So, you know, it's everything's nearly in the upper end of four and five. Oh, easily four or five. You know, I work in another industry now, which is which is 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 getting to that stage as well. It's it's in medical as well. I work for a company that we you know we 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 um we do do a lot with HSE essentially, and it's getting to that stage now as well. Um, where the waiting list to see it for a patient to see a consultant would have been six or seven months. Mm. That's been pushed out to twelve months, fifteen months now. And it's not like they need an operation or anything. They just need to be seen and to be, to be instructed on how to, to deal with their condition. And that's getting scary as well now at this stage. That the, the nurses are absolutely overwhelmed. The departments are grossly underfunded. And they're trying their best to see all the patients, but they just can't. You know, and I hear it every single day. But they, pump, they don't put it. And as well as that, then, the HSE spend a lot of money on overpriced products Um that they've had contracts with for a long, long time where there's cheaper alternatives and they can save like tens of millions getting the supplies from somewhere else, but they just don't bother because there's just too much work in it for them. Okay, oh, I know. And then it, stuff has to be checked with the, you know, the, the regulatory um, well, no, well, that's, and all of that. But. Well, that's true, yeah, but the, the parliament, well, no, it's not that at all. They, they, like a lot of the contracts for the HSC would be, they'd be open-ended. So there'd be 10 or 15 different suppliers and they can okay. all supply. You know, it's not, okay. it's not biased okay. in that way. But they just choose to not okay. highlight it to the clinicians to say, look, maybe you should use this because it's a bit cheaper. Um, well, but it's the exact same standard. It's just because the contracts have been there for so long that you just, they, honestly, the management of the HSC just, just don't want to change. They're just like, no, right. they just couldn't be bothered. Okay. Like the industry I work in, the HSC could save 60 million a year by switching it, not even to a product that we sell, another, another product, and they just won't bother. It's 60 million a year. That they're just squandering. Well, that seems just, seems incre- incredible. I don't know whether it's legal contracts or something that they're tied in up in or what the story no, they're is. Not, they're not. That's the thing. It's not completely open ended, you know. And that's just that's that, that's across the board. Okay, though, and right. to be honest with you, I see it well, every day. You know. Yeah. So. Well, listen, Steve. Thanks a million for for getting in touch with us anyway uh, on the program today. Lunchtime live at newstalk dot com. That is the email address if you do want to get in touch with us. Um, there's more actually coming in now again people talking about the length of time they're on waiting lists I don't know what the solution is I mean look we can contact the HSE and see if somebody wants to come on to talk to us about it but I mean it's it just that's not really of much use to somebody like like Peter and um, and uh, and Paddy and Tommy and Derek who are actually on these lists waiting to get appointments they probably really don't give a damn what the HSE have to say they just want to get their appointment but anyway lunchtime live at newstalk.com that is the email address if you want to get in touch with us 
Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.